property. So my teammates already talked enough shit, so I don't really gotta talk a lot of shit. At the end of the day, we got the ring and that's all that matters. Yeah, we're champs. Listen here, I'm an old ass bitch. I played against all the goats. Oh, I'm gonna put it out there. I'm gonna put it out there. This gonna be the goat of the goats. This year has been a tough year for me. I don't know if you know, but my husband's across the country. And I'm just so grateful for this group because we're a family and we got through it together. From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Tuesday. Tuesday, Cofield and Company. Loads of good stuff on the way, including uh, more wrap-up of Week 7 in the NFL. We heard from the coordinators today over with the Raiders, so we'll get to that. We've got uh, multiple convos we'll have from UNLV. We'll talk to the uh, UNLV center, Jack Hassan, a little bit. Kevin Kruger in the 5 o'clock hour. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. Damon as well. Coming in, some of the celebration last night from the Aces. World champions back-to-back. Good parade. Uh, nice turnout in Toshiba Plaza. Adam Hill, what's going on? Not much. Good. It was. You know, it's the city of champions, the boulevard of champions. Uh, it's just nothing but parades. Down the, the boulevard of champions. Las Vegas boulevard of yes. champions. Although the Aces took a different route. They came from the south. But it's not the boulevard. Right. But it's the same. A little bit of a different route because well, they have one. I mean, we are, we're also the boulevard of ridiculous races that ruin our lives for three months. But bring in a ton of money. Does it? Help the community. Does it? Oh, we're going to find out. I'm curious to hear what the uh, folks up on the strip have to say after F1 because I know they ripped the NFL draft to shreds and said that most of the fans that came into town, which it is important that you get the right kind of fans in town, but most of them from a gaming standpoint and spending money standpoint for the draft were kind of schnooks. F1 is supposed to bring in a crowd that's unreal. Now, I know they shot for the moon at the beginning with hotel prices and um, other stuff. Sure, and then also, and now they've got to back it down a little bit, but that's that's what Vegas does. We do we we come out shooting for max profit, and uh, and then eventually it settles in a little bit. But F one's still an expensive event and should generate lots of money. Uh, we'll see. And then we also had you know hotels are like oh right, we're gonna sell a package. You can watch the race. You can do this. I don't know. If you don't pay us, we're blocking the view of your hotel so that your patrons can't watch. Are they the back race. down on that? It's a whole thing. Uh, it's the whole thing is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous that it's here. We should be. Not happy with any of this. Although, maybe they're buying ads. I don't know. Go go watch it. Mr. Vegas, there he is. <laughs> Enthusiasm out of the gates. Damon, how are you? I'm great. Good. Feeling good. good. Getting the car back. Anybody was worried? You know, I hadn't asked because I was away most of last week, but uh, you've been without it since? Yep. Wow. Adam, why are you looking at me like that? That is coming back. No, I'm actually... What exactly is – you have a Raider shirt. That's not an official Raider shirt, is it? Yes, it is. Got it from NFL.com. It's a uh, – all 32 teams, they had a team shirt with a Nickelodeon merge. Oh, wow. Okay. Me being a fan of Nickelodeon and of the Raiders. Nice. I washed it with my colors, so it's not as white as it should be. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Not I thought you just designed it yourself and, like, drew the logo on and – it's fascinating. Yes, me and my expertise at Photoshop yeah, very, very was able to get this great Nickelodeon <laughs> very, design. Very intrigued by it. 
So uh, Adam seems like he's in somewhat of a good mood. Damon is. I am. Is part of this watching some of the results yesterday? Because I have become a – I don't know if I'm a Niner hater, but Lil Shanny annoys me and Brock Purdy is starting to annoy me. So, And I'm kind of a Kirk Cousins guy. I know you didn't like him on that quarterback show. I did. Um, but you combine that with, first off, the Astros. The Astros and your guy, Mattress Mac. Oh, oh boy. Don't, first of all, now you're going to mention Mattress Mac. And, by the way, I, you just mentioned a good mood. Uh, I was until I literally checked my email as we were walking in the building. And you may have missed this. Uh, but breaking news, <sighs> Raiders just signed a kicker. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, that'll ruin the whole day. It's all over. Mr. Special Teams, Mr. Uh, Mr. Special Teams Room, practice, Adam Hill. Practice squad kicker out of the Raiders literally moments ago. Oh, no. So uh, we'll have to see what this means for the This could be injury, disastrous. The injury to Daniel Carlson. But, uh, yeah, Mattress Mac being gone does make me happy. He had a chance to win $75 million. A lot of it, no, of course, the, in- of course. the uh, insurance hedge against his furniture sales, which is a brilliant idea. Um now that said, with the seventy-five million, he was going to win. That's a massive profit for him. He's not. He's not trying to cover seventy-five million dollars in sales. So there is a, there is a gambling element to it. I mean, in the end, he really can't lose, but he does lose a chance at probably an extra. Uh, who knows, fifty million. Well, yeah. It's, what, what what could he be insuring? Like $25, 20000000 million in furniture sales. Yeah, and I'll just I'll just go back to. I'd like to know. I, I actually would like to know the number. Someone, if yeah. he would ever give that out, that'd be interesting. But I I, here is my thing. I don't hate Mattress Mac. I think he's okay. He would. He would. He would. We've gone through this, but he we he would. I assume take a lot of that seventy five million dollars if it was like forty or fifty million dollars profit, and give a lot of it away. He is a charitable dude. Sure. I know you don't like the story because people act like it's all his money. Truly, on the yeah. Table. I don't. I don't like. I don't like. It's not that I don't like him. I mean, he's a fine, fine person, as far as I know. I don't know anything that negative about him. But yes, the way we cover it, I, I'll blame me as media and. Um, other people, I, I did have some friends that aren't really, you know, they don't follow it that closely. They they sent me you know messages today, like why do why do people keep writing about this person who's not a real gambler? And I said, look, people read it, they're interested, they want to know about them. So it's, it's the consumer's fault. And for people don't want to know. Continue to read. A lot of people on happy stories really don't want to know the truth, the full truth. Sure, but I think it's important you're to get to, mad at the people writing the story. They're probably told to do it. Of course, it helps them line their pockets, further their career. So let of them course. do it. Of course, and that's you know that's what we do as media. It's, there's no question. If people keep reading it, we're going to keep writing about it. And um, I just don't like that it's out there because people now other people. There are people that I've seen that are like, man, I'm going to start. I'm going to start betting some of these futures real big and try. Like, no, he's not a gambler. He is. It's an insurance policy. He can't lose. It's not. It's either. He's breaking even or he's winning a lot of money. And that is a nice position to be in. It's awesome for him. But don't get twisted that this is how you make a big profit and this is how you make a lot of money by betting on these futures. It's not the case. It's just not going to work for you. So don't think that you can be this guy by doing this. So I I just hope that that doesn't happen. Let's see if this angle will be ruined somehow. Um, I'm a fan of baseball teams and organizations that try. So good for the Rangers. Yeah, and they're probably they're probably where they were hoping to be a little ahead of schedule because they don't quite have all the pitching. Although you know they made the adjustment to try to go and get Scherzer, that didn't work out last night. But they did get Jordan Montgomery. He was he was good. Yeah, stolen throughout throughout the second half of the year. Stolen from the NL off my fantasy team. That was wonderful. Stolen from (laughs) stolen from the Yankees who were idiots. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, continue to hand out. You know, to watch yesterday as uh, you know, Aroldis Chapman is out there. 
Um, by the way, I'm sorry. I, I hope the what's, – what's the chubby kid's name? McCormick? <laughs> right? Well, didn't Dusty Baker have a problem with him because he's a bit zaftic? Um, I hope his leg is okay. But, man, I when I saw Araldus Chapman nail him in the back of the leg at 100 miles an hour, I was like, let's go run to the mound. Let's go. Get rid of him? You know the Astros and the dugout were like pushing Jose Altuve. Yeah, go fight him. <laughs> You, you do yeah. know, a chap, first of all, Chapman has kind of a vicious he does. criminal issue off the, uh, off the field. He's also, he is like a, a freaking like hybrid defensive end linebacker. He yeah. is massive. So, yeah. funny, no one ran out to go get him. Huh? They were all heated about uh, Abreu and all that stuff. I mean, you're down 100 to 2. Let's go fight. Funny how that works. Yeah. Where's do you see how much pain he's in? Right. Go back up your teammate. He just got nailed in the back of the leg with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Nobody and, wants any and, parts and of you, that. And you saw Chapman just kind of walk forward like, Let's, all right. It's important to Anybody? pick your battles. 6'4", 250. Let's go. Got to pick your battles. It's exactly. It's, that's a key part of fighting. No. But you know, with the Astros, they annoy the hell out of me. And I've, of I suggested years ago that you have – I mean, it's tough on a postseason roster, but that you have a designated fighter on your roster. Yeah, an enforcer. Like a, like a hockey team. So if you have like Astro sign Ryan Reeves, just I mean, Jordan Alvarez is big enough for a showdown, but you don't want to have him hurt going no. into next year. No, you want you want the twenty fifth man on your roster to just be a guy that will fight if there's a need to fight and try to get the other team in trouble. Uh, tonight we've got the Phillies trying to close things out. I mean, at this point, it's survival because you lose, you go home. What do you think? Five oh seven first pitch. Phillies, D backs. I mean, we're all rooting for the Phillies, right? We've got we've got Las Vegas on. Uh, both I sides. forgot about Seawald. That's right, yeah. your guy Paul Seawald. Yeah. Got him on both sides. So either way, we're going to have Las Vegas representation. Well, but World you got Series. Stott, you got Stott and Harper on the Phillies. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so I mean, we're, I think Las Vegas is in a good position either way to have some excitement in the World Series, and so you know, for the most part, there's. Almost every team now, at least the organization, has somebody from Las Vegas. It's kind of wild in that regard. But prominent players on both sides of the matchup tonight from Vegas. Uh, the Phillies got one last year. And they're, they're, Arizona was kind of a local-ish team bef- you know, before the A's started, started I never considered team. Arizona being local. It's the easiest. Uh, Dodger Stadium, I guess. I'm With just saying it's Las Vegas. I never looked at Phoenix as I'm going to root for the Phoenix team. Oh, it's such an easy. It's the desert. So we're, sister, we're like sister cities out here. Yeah, there's a Kurt Schilling legacy there. Can't do that. That's fair. It's good. We've come out of the gate here just listening lots of people we don't <laughs> like. We want fights in baseball. That's what the show is. It, it kind of is. Uh, primetime Kirk gets it done. He has not been primetime Kirk, but Kirk Cousin gets it done. Uh, no Jefferson. No Jefferson, no problem. And Justin who? Some confusion on the side of the Niners on offense who were down Trent Williams. They were down Debo Samuel, so we just kind of – Brush this off if you're a Niner fan and go, ah, you know what? They were beat up. Yeah. I mean, I think really to some degree. You didn't see anything with Purdy that worried you a little bit? No, there always is. But I think once they get those guys back, then Purdy is back to being the system guy that he is. I mean, he is is a guy that manages the system incredibly well. When the system is missing some key pieces, there's an issue. Uh, But I think once those guys are back, if they are as they're expected to, then the system's back to clicking again. I mean, I think that's part of what the whole thing is. You didn't say that for Tua yesterday. And he had people out. Wait, what are you talking about? That was the entire reason that they lost. I wrote that game off completely. Didn't game didn't matter. 
I don't think we ever got to it. Yeah. Was, okay. that, a, was that a conversation off the air? No. We I, did have it in the story. I just, feel, I just feel like it wasn't, you know. The show we're notes. We're giving Brock Purdy this fraud. You know? Yeah, there's, I don't no, think. Is, yeah, Brock Purdy is absolutely, he's just a system guy. That's, okay. I mean, that's what he is. I mean, is there anyone on the show who's ready to give up on the Dolphins? No. Once no. they get their guys back. I mean, they had the three-fifths of the offensive line was out. Well, I mean, I saw a lot of that yesterday where we had people who were like, well, you know, if you're going to trust in anyone in the AFC East, Bills will always raise their level when it's, you know, the most important time. Miami's good at punching down and beating the crap out of people when they got to raise their level. Oh, they're not. They just can't do it. Oh, and when you go to cold weather, they're not a cold weather physical team. Okay, let's see. Yeah, because you got a, you got a lot of teams around the NFL right now that may be cold weather physical teams, but if you can't freaking score and you don't have explosiveness to somehow catch up to, and I don't mean on a given play to catch up to the explosiveness of Tyreek Hill and Waddle and Tua and their run game when it's healthy. Again, they're missing one of their better running backs. Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not writing off the Dolphin. I don't know what people were no. way overreacting. And by the way, if you watch the game, it was a competitive game, and obviously at the end it got. Yeah, they out. found a way to tie it despite having three fifths. Their offensive line is a huge key to their team. I mean, people talk about all the explosiveness, and that's true, and the system is fantastic. But the offensive line is very, very key to them. They're missing three fifths of them, and let's not forget Jalen Waddle left for more than a half of the game as he tried to deal with an injury as well uh, and try to fight through it and not have one of those guys out there is is a huge loss and defensively they're down three starters like they were just down a ton of guys uh, I don't I that's just a good team they were going against the the Niners are different I just don't think Brock Purdy's good he's just a, he manages the system well and when the system is missing pieces they're going to be in trouble two is different but they just had too many guys out and they were still competitive in about 12 minutes we're going to get to uh, coordinator day the first part of it we'll talk about uh, what Patrick Graham said the uh, DC of the Raiders. But up next, we'll get early in the week preview of UNLV football. Yep, 6-1 and one going against Fresno, the league favorite, still the league favorite, really good team, and we'll find out what's going on with their quarterback. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to talk to uh, Jack Haas. Had a conversation yesterday I did with the starting center for the Rebels. All right, winning times right now around Las Vegas. Uh, the parade yesterday for the Aces, good turnout there. They've won back-to-back. UNLV's doing stuff they haven't done on the football field in a while. Um, certainly not legitimately challenged for a conference title, and that is still within reach. They're out to a 6-1 and one start. They're right in the mix in the top four, and now they've got three big games in these last five where they control their own destiny. And the first one up is Fresno. We'll have a lot more preview on Fresno as the week moves along, but uh, yesterday I talked to uh, the center, one of the outstanding offensive linemen for the Rebels, one of the 55 new players, check that, yeah, 55-plus new players into the program, Jack Haas from Buffalo, and went back for a second and uh, talked about just how dramatic things were and how things got turned around in the second half. Yeah, I mean, especially if you look at the way that the game started, um, I felt like as a team we just we never lost hope. Um, we, we knew that, you know, Adversity is going to hit at some point in the season, and uh, we responded really well. Um, obviously, after the game, you know, it's always tough to win in college football, and especially a game like that, it was very rewarding. Do players care about the historical relevance of you know this program after 10 years making a bowl game and this early? And I also wonder with the holdovers who were here, I mean, they were part of a team last year that was this close, you know, if not for the end of the season where they kind of scuffled. So what is it like in the locker room in terms of talking about the bowl game and, and do some of the holdovers say, hey, you know, then remind you guys, hey, we haven't done this. We were close last year. Now we've done it. Yeah, and especially, you know, somebody like Imani Trick, right, who's been here. This is sixth year here now. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm especially close to him because he's a fellow offensive lineman. But it's people like that that, you know, you want to at least become bowl eligible for them because they have an experience that they've, uh, 
you know, given a lot to this program. Um, new people coming in are obviously familiar with the program, but at the same time, this is kind of a, a new wave, so we have, you know, standards that exceed just full games. Jack Haas is with us. With Jose Pizano, you kicker. But I wanted to build on this, and, and really with you as well. I think Jose is a good example of there are players everywhere at every level. Hell, the, the Bears quarterback the other day who beat the, the Raiders was playing at Shepard, wherever that is. Um, can you describe how, how small the gap is sometimes between, you know, Power 5 down to Group of 5 down to FCS? Because obviously Jose probably should have been kicking at this level his whole career. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, last game definitely shows that. And, uh, you know, there's, there's people all over – all over college football, you know, I, I think with the uh, transfer port, a lot of times you see smaller school individuals go up and compete and do do really well with higher competition. Um, and he's showing that, obviously, you know, he's he's more than capable to compete at this level, and we're, we're blessed to have him. So against Colorado State, the run game in the first half. Yeah. Okay, second half, what did you guys do differently? Was it something scheme-wise or just better execution? I would say just better execution and – just believing in the process, you know, we knew that uh, adversity was going to hit um, at some point and, you know, just, just keep going along, you know, big runs are going to happen if we just keep doing our job. It's happened earlier in the season, so uh, just kind of keep chugging along. Jack Haas is with us. So great comeback in this game and this run for Jade Maiava, a retro freshman, has been really good. I want to go back to the spring working with him, and then in the spring game. He had some good moments. He also threw uh, several interceptions. I remember being really hard on himself. Now we're in mid-October. What did you see back then that maybe suggested Jaden could be this good, this kind of leader, and a guy in a clutch moment who could deliver now twice like he has? Yeah, and I think, you know, this last game is a great example of that. And, uh, you know, we, we work two minutes every day during practice. And uh, as an offense, we, we never feel like we're out of a game when Jaden's back there. He uh, – he has explosive playability, um, and, and as a leader, he gets his guys together. He's always, you know, maybe hard on himself, but very positive with people around him, and that, that helps us. What do you see on the offensive line at center on that final drive and the way some of the plays are executed? I'm sure in the huddle there's an idea, hey, this is where the ball could go, but when you see one, you know, zip down the left side, a deep pass to Ricky White, and then you see one out in the kind of the deep flat to Jacob, what are you seeing? What do you know what's going on during the play, aside from just doing your job? Right, and that's that's kind of the uh, the fun part of it, honestly, because obviously, you know, on the on the line we have our protection calls, and we have a certain job that we have to do. But you know, Jaden mixes it up well and uh, gets a lot of different receivers the ball, and so you just kind of got to be on your toes because uh, the play's not always dead when you think it is with him. There he is, Jack Haas, starting center for UNLV. Rebels out to a six and one start, qualified for a bowl game for the first time in ten years. Questions on the Fresno side. Who's going to play quarterback? So Logan Fife has filled in nicely for a couple of games for Mikey Keene. Mikey Keene was out to an unreal start. 15 touchdowns, four interceptions, a transfer over from Central Florida. By the way, UCF can recruit quarterbacks because Dylan Gabriel's been damn good this year at Oklahoma. Uh, now I just blanked on his name. The, the starting quarterback for Boston College also transferred from there. And generally... They're not giants, so they also have a gift for getting guys who are 5'10", 5'11", 6 foot, who are good quarterbacks, and Mikey Keene is one of those, and the, the Fresno game sets up pretty interestingly. Have you been there before to a yeah. football game? Uh-huh. 
It's a good stadium, and it's a good yeah. crowd, and I don't know why. I was breaking it down in my head the other day that it was a Friday night game and they were going against Friday night football. It's just Saturday. It's at 7.30, so there will be no competition in the area for the football audience. It's homecoming, so that place gets loud. And let me tell you, from being there, because of the offense with DeBoer or Tedford, I keep doing the crossing motion with my hands. It just like it just seems like the defense is having to cover guys flying all over the, the place at receiver, and generally they're all like 5'8", five, 5'9". So they got speed all over the field, and when they start going, it feels like the the field. And actually, I was I was going to describe the field as tilting down. It is also one of the weird fields that's heavily crowned. Oh yeah. So it almost feels like you get a receiver who's coming across. Say he's going left to right. He catches it over the middle, or maybe on the the right hash, and then he's as he runs to the sidelines, he's going downhill, building speed like both down, ways. Yeah. It's tilted and it's going downhill towards the it was, sidelines. It's not as bad as uh, what Samboyd Stadium was in yeah. the early days. Yeah. They fixed it, you know, like 15, 18 years ago, whatever. <laughs> um, you literally would be, you'd be standing on the sideline and the middle of the field would be above your head. You're like, what, what is this? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Because <laughs> we, I played a couple games there in high school and you're, you'd be, you'd just be out there, you know, if you're on one side of the line, you're, you're looking up at your, you know, the center above you. It's just, it's just it was wild. Um, no fields are like that anymore, but yeah, it it is weird when you do have those kind of crown fields in the middle, uh, which are done for drainage or whatever they're doing. And it seems like we've had the technology now to stop doing that. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird place to be in. And you're right, you could, it, and when you play it all the time, you learn how to use it in that way of like, all right, we'll get you the ball right as you crown at the top of the field, and then you're straight downhill to build speed to go toward the side. It's 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 wild. Tackling is very important as it is in every game, and UNLV's defense has been pretty good. With the tackling, boy, the Raiders in this last game. And I know it was one of the topics you wanted to hit, so we'll get to Patrick Graham, the D.C., talk today about tackling across the board on the Raiders' defense and uh, with regards to one player in particular. All right, coordinator day every Tuesday with the Raiders. Adam Hill is uh, one of the media folks who's always at that session. And there's some tackling issues in this last game. Uh, Deontay Foreman looked like freaking Franco Harris and Jerome Bettis combined. I don't know why I picked a bunch of Steelers. Uh, for a guy who's on the Bears. Um, when you guys were talking to Patrick Graham, the D.C., uh, one of the first things you addressed was the energy and effort uh, that is necessary or that you'll want on defense. I think just in terms of just last week, just, again, starts with me first and foremost. I mean, I don't think I did a good job putting them in the right spots, and and it just, it just was a bad result. Bad result for uh, last week, and I know this. We're working hard right now upstairs in the classroom, the coaches. We're going to work hard when the players get back tomorrow in terms of trying to rectify the situation, and that's that's the main focus right now. Again, can't, can't spend too much time on the week before. You got to learn from it, and then you got to move on, and we got another opportunity, and thankfully it's Monday night against the Detroit Lions and get a chance against a really good team, and it's going to be a big challenge. So they got some extra time. Uh, the other thing that I got pointed out on this show and then all over the internets was Marcus Peters. There was a video of Marcus Peters just pulling an ole with just his arm out. Um, not good, and uh, he was asked, uh, Graham was asked directly about Peters. There's several plays, again, whether it's, you know, whoever it is that, that we want back. Whenever the result is what it was, I mean, 30 to 12, I mean, there are a lot of plays that everybody wants back. I mean, there's a lot of there's calls I want back. So the single out one person when the result like that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not with that. That's just not me. 
we got we got it's a collective. There's 11 people playing defense, and we got we got to play with ball. We got to play with great effort each play. That's part of a good defense. We got to be able to tackle. We got to be able to stop the run and minimize the passing game. And I got to do a good job of putting those guys in the right spot. But I'm not. That's not my. That's not my program. Is that about what you expected? Not not to single out of Marcus Peters. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. For sure. I mean, he's not going to do that. Uh. McDaniel's might. Uh, in his capacity as a head coach, but uh, we know that you know these guys, the, the coordinators, are not going to be the ones that are going to go out on the limb and, and call somebody out individually. But I think it was clear. I think everybody saw it. I'm, I'm, I will assure you that it was watched in the in the film room with the rest of the team. And I, you can't be online without having seen uh, some of the efforts. But it, the problem is, it wasn't like, oh man, week seven, Marcus Peters decides he's not going to put a big effort into a tackle all year. It's all year. He's been okay in coverage. But if there's a tackle to be made, it's it's not it doesn't look like he thinks that's his job. Really? Yeah. Is he so awesome in coverage that it warrants him sticking around? He used to be. I think he's still kind of playing like he's an elite cover guy. Not really. It's he's he thinks he's Deion Sanders. Three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. We got the Halloween hoot nanny going down. On Saturday, Bach Theater, Planet Hollywood, Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper. It's Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper's Halloween Hootenanny, Bach Theater. You can grab your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. But right now, if you call in, call her 7364-1100. Tickets from DeMond to go see Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper. Cofield and Company, about uh, 21 minutes away from bringing in uh, Reno here on a uh, big sports day. We're going to effort a conversation with Shannon Kelly from... Nevada Sportsnet, big week up north. They won. They finally won. Uh, this city's cut a little different. Uh, you got to win here. Otherwise, people aren't going to back you, aren't going to show up. And Darren Millard knows that well. VGK off to a great start. I don't think everyone here was requiring an unbeaten start, Darren, but this is a hell of a start. It's now transitioned from uh, a franchise best start to a record-setting start uh, in the National Hockey League for a team that's uh, coming off a Stanley Cup championship to being on the closer side of the best start in NHL history. Now, nobody's expecting it to go that far, but you're within sight of something that nobody's ever done, whether you won the Stanley Cup or not, in over 100 years, and that's a win uh, 11 games to start a season. The record's 10, held by two teams, and, uh, and the Vegas Golden Knights could conceivably do that Oh, when you look at the talent that's on this hockey club, the momentum that they're riding right now, and the strength and schedule over, over the next uh, five, six, seven days. I was listening to Gary Lawless the other day with Gosher, and they threw out a number. I wonder what the, the best record is on this one. It's a little bit convoluted, but since last year's All-Star break, through the playoffs, oh, yeah. through the beginning of the year, uh, I think the Knights are 44-10-5. and five. Yeah, yeah, it's oh ridiculous. God. Like the, the the points percentage is is wild. Like it's it's fifty three wins out of uh, out of fifty eight uh, or sixty eight games wow. or something along that line. It's it's just absolutely uh, out, out of this world. And and that that's that's regular season. You, you factor in uh, what what they've done, uh, in, including the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it heightens that uh, that point percentage even more because you could possibly win. Uh, uh, those games uh, in, in in shootout. So it, it it's just uh, it's dramatic what they've been able to accomplish. The role that this team's on, and 
that's why this this team won uh, yesterday was the was the anniversary of the start of it. They won nine games in a row uh, to have the best uh, fifteen game start in the National Hockey League. And, uh, again, you talk about your convoluted stuff, but uh, it, it's happened a few times that the teams have gone thirteen and two out of the gate. Uh, to, to start a National Hockey League season. And they did that a year ago by ripping off nine consecutive wins. And I would put the six straight wins right now uh, up against that because of the distractions coming into the, the, the season, uh, everything that you're, you're dealing with, and then being able to find that intensity. I, mean, I think that's why the record is, is only... Uh, uh, was only five games to start a season uh, by by defending Stanley Cup champion was because teams when they come back in the, they they know what's important it's about Stanley Cup playoffs why why do you have to be uh, hot and ready to go and and uh, and in tune to start the season well this team's done that and this this six game run uh, would would rival uh, what what they did a year ago when it was almost tw- twice as long. You're kind of getting to what I wanted to ask you, but I'll I'll just ask it more directly. I mean, is is it yeah. a mistake to to put a lot of attention on trying to do something like that, like trying to start a season eleven and zero when obviously the focus needs to be at the end of the year? It didn't seem to bother them last year, but is this too early to start getting too intense about things? No, I, I don't think so. Uh, it's a good question, of, uh, which I which I uh, wholeheartedly lean into because so many teams put themselves into challenging positions and adversarial positions where you have to make up ground, uh, either in the back half of the season or, or the middle of the season, and you really have to go through uh, some, some challenging moments uh, to be able to, to catch up and, and try to either uh, get home ice advantage or claim a playoff spot in the, in the very least. So being able to, to have 12 points in the bank right now, Adam, is, is a whole big advantage compared to look at uh, a team that they're expected to go head-to-head with in in the uh, Pacific Division, the Edmonton Oilers. Like, who's who's going to switch places with uh, with them right now? And what they're going through, both with injury, which Vegas has dealt with, uh, more so in the back end, but uh, but from a from a win loss perspective, like it, it's going to take already now uh, a, a real consistent performance by Edmonton to be able to make up this little ground that they've got and that's that's without seeing the end of, of this early season run that Vegas is, is on because uh, Philadelphia is a good team they're a hard-working team they're, they're not a great team uh, these rosters put side by side uh, it shouldn't be a contest but Philadelphia will win its share of early season games because of the will of John Torrella putting into uh, his troops, uh, and and uh, you you can you get through this, uh, you get through uh, the home and home uh, this weekend where they play Friday night and then Saturday in in Los Angeles. Uh, the Chicago game on Friday night is winnable, uh, and then Montreal. Like there's there, there's a roadmap here to something pretty special. Darren Millar joins us from the Golden Knights. I was going to say, are you are you off today? It's a national TV game, right? We are not doing television. We're just still doing a pregame show. Uh, we're we're doing that uh, over at the City National Arena, and uh, we'll do that uh, from seven thirty to eight. And I'm still doing the VGK Insider Show from five to seven. But uh, from an actual uh, in the rink intermissions and stuff, I uh, uh, my duties will go uh, unfulfilled tonight oh, by that's... me. 
That's sad for all the viewers, but uh, good for thank, you for another. Thank you, Adam. Uh, we'll get thank back. You. We'll back, get back into some specifics about the Golden Knights, but I'll, I'll ask this question generally before I tell you exactly what I mean. Why can't the NHL get anything right? Huh. Uh, I know what you're meaning, and uh, it's look. I, I think sometimes, probably in our own lives, uh, not to this extent, and I'll let you explain what we're talking about. But uh, I think we overthink things. <laughs> where you're, you maybe you're trying to do the right thing. Uh, I'm certainly that way as a, as a dad. Sometimes I'm like, I'm trying to protect you, but I go around at, uh, the, the, the roundabout uh, wrong way, and my kids uh, both end up being mad at me for five days. Uh, but uh, but I, I think I think just o- overthinking. That's the best. That's the honestly the best thing I can come up with as to uh, how they ended up traveling this route. Well, I, I'll just I'll say this. I mean, today is a very, very cool day. Uh, every team's playing. You've got the staggered starts. You've got the whip-around coverage, like NFL Red Zone. Like, I love this. This is awesome. But it also yeah. happens to be a Game 7 of an NLCS and the first night of the NBA season. Like, why are we doing it today? Why is this on TV? Put on the NBA! Yeah. Uh, I actually thought you were going down a different path. No, oh, 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 we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, well, there's nothing you can do about the baseball playoffs. There's absolutely no working around that because schedules are are in in place long before that. Uh, why you would do it on the opening night of the NBA playoffs? That's a really good question. Why you would do it on a on a Tuesday night <laughs> instead of like uh, work this into a uh, Thursday or a Friday night? Where you've got more people that uh, can sort of dedicate their their time to, or Saturday or Sunday. Uh, Sundays are traditionally a little bit uh, uh, lighter, but uh, I I don't know why why it's on Tuesday night. But uh, and, and the NBA that's uh, that's another that's another good question. Well, it's tomorrow, unless, there's unless li- just, literally nothing tomorrow. Probably, ESPN probably wanted it tonight. There's nothing on tomorrow. Yeah. If you if you're trying to go head to head and try to to answer them and take uh, take some viewers back. Uh, it, I, I commend them for their aggressiveness. I, I like if that's the strategy. I really do like it. That's fine. Adam gets worked up. I mean, come on. Um, the pride record tape. five games tonight and then watch yeah. them tomorrow. The uh, the the tape on the stick stuff. I I didn't get from the get go. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I knew. So for those they, that uh, that are not aware, they they took away all the special nights uh, wearing the special uniforms. The special uh, event uh, acknowledgements, whether it's Pride Night or whether it's Military Night or, or uh, Occupied Cancer Night, and uh, they they said uh, players aren't going to be able to. Uh, we're not going to wear any of the jerseys anymore uh, because uh, of backlash from a few players last year who uh, didn't want to wear uh, the, the Pride jerseys out of their own personal beliefs, and it became more of a story about who wasn't wearing the sweaters than who was wearing the sweaters. So the league said, okay, we're going to. Uh, again, like my parenting, we're going to take away everything. If you're not going to play a little bit, we're going to take away everything. Yep. And uh, and and that's what they did, including uh, the pride tape, uh, the the rainbow tape, and that that uh, really uh, got some people's uh, attention because it wasn't. It's just part. It's part of the game. It's part of. It's just. It, I've never heard of a rule where you couldn't wear a certain uh, use a certain color of tape other than the, the end of the goalie stick where it has to be white to affect the color of the puck. So uh, it, it, it got under people's uh, skin and made it, found, made it sound like they were working too hard 
uh, not to support the cause, which I know isn't the fact that uh, that hockey is a very inclusionary sport, uh, and uh, it, it just it's come across so wrong. And I think it's uh, it's hurt the public image uh, of of a lot of great things uh, that uh, that we in the game have have tried to do, and we'll we'll be making up some of the ground on this for a while. And I guess I should have known an announcement was coming, and you can correct me if this was scheduled a while ago. But again, going back to what uh, Gary. And Dave were talking about on Monday on, on Fox Sports Las Vegas when they, they had a guest on uh, for Los VGK, uh, yep. Hispanic Heritage Night, on Wednesday, December 8th. I have no idea if that if that kind of thing was outlawed under this old rule. But, uh, by the way, that is a great idea, and I'm blanking on the uh, the young man's name who was on the air. I don't know if yeah, you know. Ben. Yeah, Ben. Yeah. It was Ben Thomas, right? Um, uh, last they, 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 it's, been, it's, 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 a, it's a great initiative. Uh, it is. No, no, you, you can't wear specially warm-up jerseys uh, for that because <laughs> the, the National Hockey League uh, uh, isn't isn't permitting that. Well, they they basically said uh, we we don't want to be in a position where players are going to pick and choose uh, what they yeah, support. Yeah, I guess, I guess and, yeah, part of it. Yeah, but I'm like, if like there's there's some things that you don't want to do, but you, you got to do them. Yeah. Because well, I mean, it's, it's, it's part of your job, and and that's that's where I fall into it. That's an overly simplistic approach, uh, Steve. That that's that's yeah. very uh, uh, thirty thousand feet. Like, why can't you do something if you're if you're asked to do it? But uh, but that that's the way uh, I initially look at this. Yeah, if my, you're asked to do it, do it. My approach for fans who are outraged who complain about stuff like this: Do you want the NHL to make money? Do you want the NHL to rise? You know, on the uh, American spectrum and the worldwide spectrum, then if these things make money, and there are limits, but uh, when I heard Ben say yesterday that 17% of the local population or 17% of the overall fan base for VGK in town is Latino, Hispanic, yeah, yes, you're going to do yeah. stuff like this. Money! Money! Well, it's, it's money, but it's also growing the game, yep. right? Inclusion, it, it, exactly. That, that, that's the Pacific population. Like We, we, we have a very... Uh, 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 broad uh, collection of, of uh, nationalities uh, in, in Las Vegas. Uh, that that's awesome. It's amazing. So why wouldn't you try to grow your game and and uh, reach out to large segments of the population? It makes good business sense. Darren Millard is with us. His spot on Tuesdays is brought to you by our friends with Learner and Row. Uh, most of the hockey conversations we have on the show are sponsored by Learner and Row, your personal injury attorneys. Darren, do you feel like you are a true local now? Yep. Okay. I do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was good. That was a good quick answer. Um, yeah, I, 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 we, we do as, as, as a family. We, we, we certainly do. Okay. Um, you kind of see what's going on here sports-wise, and we, we talk about the Knights, and I was going to say you guys, but the, the Knights, the players, the team, yeah. the organization, the winning attitude, the we're going to win or people are going to go, we're going to make change. And I think it's slowly trickling down. The Raiders aren't there yet. I think UNLV is getting better in their biggest sports, and we just saw the Aces win for a second straight time. And you know the Aces, hey, whatever you think about their methods, they can be a little bit cutthroat. They, they everyone now is looking at the Knights, and they're like, we have to win, we have to win. Yeah. Well, they they brought in a bar, right? There wasn't a bar. Yep. Uh, they they brought it in and they hooked it up really high. And you go to the playground, and you're like, oh, I'm never going to get there, but. It, you, you work hard enough, and you, or, or the gym, and you, you work hard enough, and you get up there. They, they, they established it right away with the way that they were going to do it, and they've continued it with making some, some decisions that, that other organizations, quite frankly, wouldn't have done uh, because of, uh, of uh, make, again, talking about uh, fan bases, 
where where you you would make a decision based on uh, uh, winning or uh, just based on on feeling good about your your situation within the the community. They they want to win. Every decision they make is structured around winning, and I think that's really good if you're a Las Vegas fan and uh, and you want to cheer for all the local teams because uh, uh, the 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 tide the high tide floats all boats. Well, uh, the Golden Knights are the tide. And I think that the aces, the reaction that we've seen from the aces, some uh, has been affected in some way by, by the Vegas Golden Knights' success. And that's good that one reacts to the other and, and you try to be successful. I think it's, I think it's great, and I hopefully we see it uh, out of the Raiders at some point. Darren, I've got a weird question to ask you. In the NFL, there's this tush push, and they say, hey, some people are saying we got to ban it because it's just unstoppable. Is there any formation or anything in hockey where they had to ban it in the NHL because it's unfair to the opposing team if teams did this? Well, there's, there's hits, uh, like collisions that you never would see now that, uh, that were the norm when uh, Scott Stevens played in the uh, in the nineties and then the early two thousands, where he was knocking out guys coming across the middle, whether it's Eric Lindros or Paul Korea, uh, that kind of thing, where you just thought that would, that's a good hockey play, and now you're like <laughs> that guy's gone for ten games, yep. <laughs> and 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 it's not that long ago, that that's twenty years ago, thirty years ago that uh, that I'm talking about that. It's not the Stone Ages. Uh, uh, where guys were skating in black and white TV, so uh, that uh, that would be the closest comparison. The interesting about the tush push is like not not many other teams can do it. Yeah. So it, they they keep calling it an unfair advantage, which it is based on what Philly's doing. But I watch a bunch of teams who either hurt their own players while doing it, <laughs> or they they can't get the first down by doing it. That's pretty crazy, and we're all yeah. very much in favor of the uh, tush push. So, brotherly get, shove, get get better, get better at defending the brotherly shove, or learn how to do it. Simple as that. Well, big yeah. night for the NHL, big day. I'm into it. Adam's a pain in the ass. Uh, Darren, <laughs> appreciate you coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. That's because Adam only has one channel, and he has <laughs> and he has to get up to change that channel. So he he just wants <laughs> yeah. one game every night. Oh, real quick before we get you out, what's what's going on on the show today on VGK Insider Show? Uh, we're we're going to go down a path uh, with a, a little more league perspective. Actually, we we played into this uh, yesterday, just on on who's off to some concerning starts, and we're about five six games in, and uh, and uh, who is uh, just a blip, and they'll be just fine. So we're going to play early overreaction game. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, boys. My God, it's a long ways away, but how cool would it be for the NHL, and and also annoying to so many of their schmucky fans. If the Knights made the finals again and it was Boston and Cassidy got to go for a second straight against the Bruins. That's, unfortunately, the East is decided already. And by the way. The Red Wings win the East. Okay. Uh, by the way, there is something common with the Knights where it's like, oh, hey, you love Flurry? Yeah, well, he's a drama queen and a pain in the ass and we don't get along with him. He's gone. Gerard Gallant won't do what we want. You love him? He's gone. Derrica Hamby wants to have a baby. Get out! You don't want to win! Right? And that is the kind of attitude, I guess, violation of the workplace, be damned, but they sort of have the same mindset. We're going to win and nothing's going to stop us.